This is a Healthier Michigan podcast, episode 63. Coming up, we discuss what is clean eating. Welcome to a Healthier Michigan podcast, the podcast dedicated to navigating how we can improve your health and well-being through small healthy habits we can all start implementing right now. I'm your host, Chuck Gatica. Every other week, we'll sit down with a certified health expert from Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan and dive into topics that cover nutrition and fitness and a whole lot more. And on this episode, again, we're demystifying what it means to eat clean. With me today is a registered dietitian for Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan, Susan Okankowski. Good to have you back. Thanks so much, Chuck. It's great to be back. Well, I know you're a registered dietitian. You've got a master's in public health and a bachelor's in dietetics. You're a teacher. You're a mom. You're a wife. You're a traveler. You're a great cook, I'm told. You're probably a good dancer, too, which just makes you a quadruple threat, you know. But you've got to be on the move all the time right now, huh? We are. We are very busy. My daughter just started kindergarten as well. It, you know, oh my. big year for us. And my son turned two. And with work between my husband and I, yeah. there is always something going on in the house. Are you doing the virtual kindergarten? No, actually, my daughter is in a private program. So she is in school five days a week, okay. which is great for her. Yeah. She's really enjoying it. Good, good stuff. Well, we hear this, I guess, talked about in so many different ways eating clean. It sounds like we should know what we're talking about. And then again, I still wonder when I hear about it, how does that influence the, you know, everybody's got a different context, I guess. So can you just start at the beginning? What does it mean to eat clean? So eating clean is kind of this vague term, and it's not very scientific. And to me, the problem is there's not one universal definition for what it means to eat clean. Mm. And Technically, it really is a diet concept. It's more of a fad trend that someone started about five, six years ago that consists of, you know, someone avoiding certain kinds of refined processed foods and also avoiding foods that have artificial ingredients. But eating clean means so many different things to everyone which is kind of wherein lies the problem with true, like, clean eating. Yeah, and I would think that other things have sort of, they've been peeking their head from behind the curtain and, and sort of come under that category. Like, I've talked to people who say, I'm, I'm all organic. You know, I, I buy organic veggies, and I only get certain kinds of eggs, and, and I eat clean. Oh, okay. And then there are people who are juicing, and they think they're eating clean, you know, because they're on a juice fast. So like you say, it's a bit confusing because I think there are all these inputs from various different directions. There is. And that's exactly the problem because on the surface, you hear about, oh, someone's eating clean. Sounds great. It's probably beneficial. Maybe they're adding some more nutrient-rich types of foods into their diet. However, at the end of the day, there's also a lot of downfalls because we've never classified foods as dirty or clean. Like this whole concept of quote-unquote clean mm -hmm. doesn't really make the most sense either to me as a dietitian, I have to say. And you know, it's funny you use that word dirty. I mean, I'm, I'm the guy who goes out of the way to eat the skin on the potato. I can't tell you why I've always loved it. I know it's not the cleanest part even after I've scrubbed it, but I know I'm getting a lot of you know minerals and vitamins out of it. So it's kind of funny that some of the quote unquote dirty foods, if it's really dirt, like you know, you got an apple, you picked it, you washed it and you ate it. 
are actually some of the healthier foods you can eat, right? Some of the cleanest eating you could find. Right. And that's exactly the problem where, you know, some individuals become so restrictive, like you said, they're not eating the skin of an apple because, you know, they're taking it off. And unfortunately, there's a lot of fiber in that particular skin of the apple. Or same with some individuals, you know, they think, well, I can't have any foods that necessarily have additives. Well, there's good and bad additives. And this gets dangerous where like if someone is drinking milk and any kind of milk, plant-based or, you know, animal-based milks, vitamin D is typically always added to milk to enhance the uptake of calcium, which is really good for your bones. So you start to think about all the different ways that people are quote-unquote clean eating, and they're missing out potentially on some really good vitamins, nutrients, and minerals for the body. Mm -hmm. And so I guess there is a downside to that, right? That you're skipping some of the good stuff that, and in Michigan, We've learned with vitamin D, you know, especially as we uh, now enter the season of clouds that sometimes doesn't go away until, you know, next March or April, that vitamin D is important for so many reasons. Some people supplement with a lot of it as we head into winter in the Great Lakes. It is very critically important, especially for kids, adults. It doesn't matter, you know, your age and how you're going to get it, but a lot of people really depend on foods and vitamin D is one of those things that truly is added into a lot of foods that people are consuming. So going back to the clean eating philosophy, if people are restricting these foods, they're not getting that essential vitamin D to help themselves out. So let me back up a minute. Let's go from clean eating. And I guess I never did ask you as the expert, do you have a definition or is it broad even in your mind as to what clean eating is? You know, it's really broad because the whole philosophy in and of itself is to eat more nutrient-rich types of foods that are whole, that, you know, so you think about whole grains and fruits and vegetables and legumes, like that part of clean eating is healthy. But, you know, in, in artificial ingredients, of course, you don't want to be eating things that have, you know, food colorings and food dyes and added sweeteners and added sugars into them. Like, that's a very good part of the clean eating movement, let's call it. But when it comes to does someone include organic foods or non-organic, some people eat gluten or they avoid gluten. And so there's just such a wide variety of how someone does a clean eating approach. There is no one definition, which is difficult, essentially, at the end of the day. But, you know, you can compare foodstuffs within the same category. I mean, tightly compare, and you can see this difference. Here's a for instance in my life. So I love oatmeal, right? And there was, I don't know how we got it, but we got a few of those packets of instant. Now, I don't eat it all the time. As a matter of fact, I don't even eat that stuff that's in the packet because I happen to look at the ingredients. Well, I don't want the sugar. I don't want all the added sodium. I don't want whatever else they threw in there that make it palatable. And someone would then argue, which one of my kids said to me, yeah, but dad, it's, it's instant. I said, yeah, but I can make oatmeal in a bowl in the microwave or throw it in the pot on a pan and I'm done in two minutes. So I can have the real stuff. So when you compare even those two items, one is cleaner and one is not. And even if I want a little sweetness, I could add honey or whatever it is I want to stay healthy with my oatmeal. So right there, it's still right in that category. I can find something that's cleaner. To me, that's not confusing. That's just an easy way to make a decision. Exactly. And oftentimes a little bit more nutritious. And so that's kind of how I think of Foods that are in a clean eating program or someone who's following a clean eating type of diet, 
they're oftentimes having more nutritious foods for the most part. I know we talked about the vitamin D with milk, but again, for the most part, you know, it can be very beneficial because the individuals who are trying to follow this clean eating approach, like you said, you're eating more of the real foods, not something that has been changed. So you can quickly, you know, heat it up in a minute versus two minutes, which yeah, with oatmeal is, you know, not that big of a difference. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. Especially when you use the frozen blueberry trick, you know, to cool it off. Well, now I'm telling you, it, it, this is one of my favorite go-to breakfasts all the time. And it's just so easy. It really is easy stuff. Are there myths? Are there things that you can shoot down that you hear from people a lot from your side of a conversation, being a registered dietitian, that people will say, well, this is, I've heard this is bad for me. I really shouldn't do it. What are some of the myths that are associated with clean eating? So some of the myths I would say really kind of focus on what is the mentality of someone who is following a clean eating approach? Because a lot of people say, well, you know, it could promote this dieting mindset, which with some individuals, it might. With other individuals on the very flip side, it might actually promote them to start eating a lot healthier. Maybe now they are including more fruits and vegetables, whether they be organic or not. Mm -hmm. They are adding fruits and vegetables into their daily routine, whereas before, maybe they only got one or two you know, vegetables per day. Now they're eating six or seven, which in the long run is going to benefit your overall health and well-being. So, you know, there are some positive aspects of someone who is following this clean eating approach, but there's also just, you know, be careful of the, I would say, dieting mentality that could go with clean eating because it kind of fits in that category of a fad diet. Like I said, on the surface, it's encouraging people to eat more nutrient-rich types of foods that are nutritious and good for the body. So just kind of step away from, you know, don't spiral in and get too crazy around fixating on what exactly these foods are that you're eating every day, because that's the danger when it comes to kind of the clean eating approach. And I think you've talked about this before in so many different ways about balance, right? Obviously, all of us are going to have a cheat day or a snack or, you know, during the pandemic, uh, I can't tell you how many times Susan, my Susan has made chocolate chip cookies. It's like, oh, you know, it's just to stop, just stop the baking. But it's it doesn't affect her like it affects me, you know, because I don't have the w same willpower. But balance is really critical here. You can overeat, I guess, cleanly, and you could also go the other direction, right? Right. Balance is very key. And I, I have, I remember we've talked about this before, too, where you know, nothing should really be a quote-unquote restriction because that's where a lot of individuals, if they, especially if they're predisposed to any sort of eating disorders or, mm. you know, they start to develop any sort of obsession around food, which is unhealthy, you know, balance and moderation is key because at the end of the day, we have to remember our overall emotional, mental, and physical well-being all fit together. Well, and there is a name, right, for this obsession with healthy eating. Go figure. I never would have thought there was such a thing. There is, and it's called orthorexia, which hmm. it's kind of a newer term that has come out in the past decade, and it kind of fits with individuals who really have this dieting mentality that fixate around 
kind of follows along disordered eating. And what happens is they kind of develop this obsession around what are the benefits of eating pure, clean foods. They look at, you know, every single ingredient in every food. They are planning like hours and days ahead of what their day is going to look like with foods. And it gets dangerous because they often tend to isolate themselves from social situations because they are so focused on their food intake and they spend such a huge amount of time thinking about, well, I can't have even, you know, that simple package of instant oatmeal while I was at my kid's soccer game in the morning because I couldn't grab anything else. Yeah. They'll say, well, I can't do that. And it just kind of creates this really dangerous mindset. And if you come back to that word balance again, so in that same line of continuum, there's a guy like me who's using an app on his phone to track food. It's been a good thing for me, right? I wouldn't say I have an obsession, but it's something that keeps me honest. It's something that even sends me little messages. Hey, I notice, it actually will tell me, it's something like, I notice when you eat oatmeal and a banana, you actually do better in your week. And I'm like, how did you know that? You know, so it's got a little bit of a function of being your coach along with being an app. So I'm not crazy about it, but I guess you could go down that path where you just have to be careful. Right. And that's absolutely the point that you made is you're not crazy about it. It's not impacting, you know, your every hour of the day because oftentimes individuals who do have orthorexia or this disordered eating type of patterns get into a vicious cycle where there will be not one hour that goes by that they don't think about, well, what did I eat? And then what am I going to eat next? And that's the unfortunate part of the vicious cycling that can happen versus you're just someone who is extremely extremely healthy and curious and tracking what you're putting into your body, which is good. It fits into that overall healthy eating plan about how you're approaching your overall diet. And if there's one thing that I'm kind of hearing from you so far in this, that if I were trying to run this through a funnel and whatever drips out the bottom is what is sticking with me right now, the word processed is something I'm thinking about. Maybe that's for me what I'm hearing about clean versus dirty foods, because You know, this idea that it almost sounds like dirty versus clean is good versus bad, and we've already discussed that's not the case, but is processed a word that we should maybe be avoiding more than whether we're having an apple or whether we're having oatmeal in a bag versus oatmeal out of the tub that we make ourselves? The less processed, the better? I would absolutely say that. Less processed, less artificial ingredients, less sweeteners Mm. are kind of like, you know, key factors that if someone does, you know, approach this clean eating movement and they're trying to change their behaviors, focus on, you know, those couple of things, less artificial ingredients, less sweeteners, less processed foods. And at the end of the day, oftentimes they will come out on the other side eating foods that are more whole and more nutritious for them. So let's have a little fun with a kind of a lightning round. I'll throw a little statement at you or a couple words, and then you tell me if I'm off, if I'm right, if I'm wrong or something. Okay. Okay. Let's see if we can get some of these. Eating fat will make you fat. No, 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 no. Eating trans fat is not very good for your body, but the body needs fat, good fats. And that could be everything from olive oil to fish oil that you're getting from your piece of salmon, right? I mean, there are a lot of good fats that we should be having in our diet. 
Exactly. Almonds, olive oil, avocado. Those are all examples of really healthy fats that you can be consuming. And many of them fit within this overall clean eating approach as well. Yeah. And let me just point out there again, this drop in the bucket philosophy that I have, and it seems to have worked. When I'm um, you know, trying to work out more, I, I won't use the word diet. It's a lifestyle change. So I mean, but when I'm when I'm watching what I'm eating, a little pat of butter, a half of a pat of butter, it's a drop in the bucket as long as I'm not eating a bucket of butter. You know what I mean? So they're all the healthy fats, but yet if I don't pay attention every once in a while, having something that satiates my palate, uh, then I may overeat and overcompensate. And that's just me. I'm not saying that's everybody's thing, but you know, just uh, if you're tracking your food and you're doing pretty well, a little bit of this or that in balance probably isn't so bad. Exactly. Because you don't have all of the limits and restrictions. Yeah. And it is okay. You know, a little bit of butter that has maybe a little saturated fat or maybe, you know, a red glass of wine here or there. Those things are okay in moderation. Absolutely. Okay. I'm going to send you a piece of paper. If you could write me a note so my wife knows all that, that'd be perfect. Yes. Okay, good. Eating carbs is bad for you. Oh, no. Eating carbs is healthy, especially because your brain is fueled from glucose. Glucose comes from carbohydrates. So the type of carbohydrates you choose to consume is what you need to watch out for. Uh So whole grain, more complex types of carbohydrates versus, you know, simple sugars that you might find in jam or candies. Or again, we go back to these foods that aren't really that healthy, but, you know, a whole grain piece of bread with some peanut butter, there's carbs in there. And it's healthy carbohydrate though. Yeah. Fruit uh, has too much sugar. You shouldn't eat it. Oh, no. There is antioxidants in fruit. Fruit is healthy. Now, you shouldn't be eating fruit all day long like my kids like to do sometimes. Limit your amount of fruit that you're consuming. However, fruit is very healthy. Those are natural sugars, natural types of carbohydrates that are going to help your body. They have nutrients like fiber and all kinds of other vitamins and minerals in there that are good for your body. So fruit is healthy. And that's good to think about it that way. I know when I was uh, just at the beginning of the pandemic and I thought I want to get a little more vitamin C naturally, right? Not just taking a supplement. And I thought, well, I could either drink juice and I'm not a big juice guy or I could eat a real orange. And it's so much more fun and much better tasting, you know, to just go for the orange because you're getting all the other stuff that they haven't ground out somehow maybe, you know. So there is a way to have fruit and you know you're doing something good for yourself, right? Exactly. There is. And and it is good for your body. It has antioxidants, which technically helps to fight those free radicals and, you know, in the long run, helps fight against any sort of free radicals that could potentially develop into cancer in the body. So mm. don't cut out fruit because there's sugar in there. It really is something that your body needs. And, you know, we're up to, what is this, uh, episode 63, so we've got a lot of great episodes. You're included in many of them. And in the past, we've also learned that heart health, which I would say a lot of the things you're discussing that are good for us, qualify as healthy heart eating. Heart health equals sign brain health. In other words, if we're doing this balanced approach in life, it's not just good for the heart. That's good, you know, good for lowering your cholesterol and all that stuff. But it's good for your overall body. It's not just about cardiovascular health, which is important. It's why somebody may run, et cetera. But we're really helping ourselves from, uh, you know, the top of our head to our toes. 
Exactly. You're fueling your brain. You're hydrating your skin. There's so many things that nutrients and foods do for our overall body to help it just maintain normal functionality that oftentimes we don't even think about. And good foods will do that. They will help, you know, kind of keep the engine running, as so to say. Yeah. Before we leave fruits, uh, lightning round question is back. Frozen fruits and vegetables are not as nutritious. True or false? Definitely false. As long as they have been what I would call flash frozen, it is absolutely healthy. Like you said, you love to add those frozen blueberries into your oatmeal in the morning. And there hasn't been any sugars added to those blueberries. I'm sure that either maybe you've frozen or maybe you've bought some at the store. They really are a healthy alternative when we can't get those beautiful, fresh summer types of fruits in Michigan specifically. Yeah. Because oftentimes, you know, you miss the high quality produce that we have access to. But if you've happened to have frozen some from summer or you pick some up at the grocery store, frozen fruits are okay too. You know what I'm missing right now? And I don't really think about getting them frozen. I miss cherries. You know, that run from the spring into the summer where, I don't know, it seemed like cherries were the best ever, Yeah. <laughs> you know, in previous years. And it's just such a great thing. You're right. To, and they weren't all from Michigan, to be fair, but just a wonderful supplement of a fresh produce that comes in. And if you don't get that stuff in the waves when it hits, and if you're not freezing it yourself, sometimes you miss out. But that's what I miss. Boy, they were good this season. They were. They were so juicy, too. They were sweet. Absolutely. And yeah, when it comes, you know, even November, December, January, you're just craving some of those. It's absolutely healthy to pull a bag of those frozen fruits out and add them into something you're consuming. Yeah, and I think a lot, you know, I guess in defense of the frozen food industry, I think a lot is now flash frozen, right? I think that's kind of where the whole industry has migrated. So the idea of opening up a package of spinach and maybe that's all you could do today because you're, you know, you're playing teacher at home and your mom and your wife. And, uh, you know, if that's the way it works out, well, that's fine. It's okay. It is okay because you're still eating some really healthy vegetables. Yeah. What about, you've mentioned processed food a couple of times. We've come back to that. Is all processed food bad for you? Not necessarily. And, you know, people kind of use the word processed differently. For example, again, like if whole grains, you know, like sometimes there are things that are added into like a whole grain bread. Maybe there's some quinoa added in. Someone could say, well, that grain has been processed, but it's not a bad type of process. Mm -hmm. So you got to be careful of what kinds of processed foods. Now, I wouldn't say go eat processed cheese. That's probably not the most healthy thing. Or, you know, a lot of the refined types of packaged foods that have been processed. You'll be careful in that space. But overall, you know, when you think about process, again, it has a varying definition, varying meaning for different kinds of foods. So processed cheese and processed meat sticks are not a good lunch? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I would definitely avoid those. That's correct. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> Well, you know, all of that makes perfect sense to me when we're talking about it, but there's one kind of food that comes to mind, and I don't know if you and I have talked about it specifically, but this meat alternative stuff that's out there now, if you look at it and you just dig in one layer on Google, you don't have to go deep, it's highly processed plant-based meat alternative that's supposed to help you steer away from meat, but yet when you read it, it's like, wow, this is quite a concoction. Where do you stand on that? It is highly processed. And I would say, you know, my personal thought on it is that either eat the meat 
or eat some sort of other plant, like more natural plant sources, like eat legumes, you know, eat some nuts, eat some vegetables that have not been all processed together in that meat alternative hamburger. That's my personal opinion, obviously, because it has been processed. And you have to think about that. And sometimes when you look at the amount of saturated fat even in those meat alternatives, it is not any better than a regular Angus type of burger. I think to be fair, by being the uh, label reader I am, I think to be fair, it's actually got more saturated fat and it's derived from coconut oil, which if I'm not wrong, that's not the best on the list of healthy fats, right? It's not the best. At one point in time, people were really thinking, oh, coconut oil is the answer, but it's really not because it's very solid at room temperature. So you have to think about that when, you know, you're putting these types of foods into your body is how are they going to break down at the end of the day too? Yeah. You know what I call meat alternative burger or falafel? I just, I I will drive. My wife too. We got hooked on them years ago. Neither one of us have Middle Eastern descent. I would go out of my way 10 miles to get a good falafel sandwich or a salad. It's just the best. Yep. Well, let me continue here with the game show. There are no parting gifts, by the way, so I'm sorry. I can't give you a new car at the end. But uh, here's another one. Egg whites are healthier than eating the whole egg with the yolk. Not necessarily. There is a lot of healthy vitamins that are inside of an egg yolk. I will say, if you're someone out there who is really trying to watch your cholesterol, limit the amount of egg yolks that you eat per week. However, you know, I think about small children who can really benefit from those fat-soluble types of vitamins that are inside of the egg yolk, and it's not that bad to consume it. It's just, again, it's all about balance. It's about moderation. So don't have three egg yolks every day, but, you know, having one egg yolk every couple of days during a week time period is definitely not unhealthy for your body. And, you know, there is a hybrid to so many of the things you're pointing out, all the good stuff, eggs in particular. You can do one regular egg with the yolk. And if you're looking to add more protein, adding two egg whites to that one egg so that there's still a little bit of color, taste, I guess there's fat that I'm not even thinking about that I must notice when I taste it. You are able to do that, and you're still not having two or three eggs at one time. It actually works out okay. It does. You're exactly right, and you're still getting all of the benefit of the protein and a benefit of the fat-soluble vitamins in there, too. So one of the last ones in the lightning round here is about being gluten-free. It was a thing for a long time. In our family, we have a son who's developed, uh, it's related to his autoimmune disease, gluten intolerance. So he's got true celiac. So in our household, even at Thanksgiving, we have shifted so nobody can mess up what spoon is used in the stuffing. Everything is shifted to gluten-free at that moment when we're trying to make sure everybody's cool. But for most everybody, do we really need to worry about going gluten-free? No. For those individuals who have celiac, absolutely need to be concerned. And there are some folks who, like myself, are gluten intolerant. I have also avoided gluten for almost 20 years now. Wow. Yes. You know, you get the similar rash and itch, but especially celiac disease. Those individuals need to avoid gluten. For the rest of the population, there's a lot of benefits of complex carbohydrates that come in foods that contain gluten. And it's not something that you need to avoid in your diet because, again, you go back to glucose and carbs fuel the body. So it is an important aspect of an overall healthy diet. 
Yeah, and for you, are you able to navigate the world? 20 years is a long time, but it just my anecdotal evidence, there is more and more good gluten-free stuff available from frozen food sections to the local stores that may sell it. It just doesn't seem like it's as hard as it was even five years ago to navigate that space, huh? It has become so much more easy to find products out there. Yeah. I remember 20 years ago, even before I had left the house, my mother had to like special order certain things because we lived in a small rural area. There was no grocery store gluten-free types of food. So it has changed so many times over in the marketplace of what's available for those individuals, again, who truly do need to avoid gluten. It's really good to see that too, especially when you're the people that have to go out and shop for it, you know. Yes. So as we start to wrap things up, let's talk about coming back to a good perspective of clean eating. What is it that is your suggestion to all of us, the takeaways that we can start to think about so we are not demonizing certain foods and throwing them out the window, and yet we're trying to find this balance. Help us out here as we think about this whole idea. So I will say it's kind of a parting thought. You know, if you are going to try clean eating, don't think of it as a fad diet. Think of it as a change in how you are approaching what your diet is comprised of. You know, you're adding healthier, more fresh, flavorful foods that are whole foods. They're nutritious. And again, at the end of the day, you're avoiding more of those dangerous foods that have artificial ingredients and sweeteners and have been highly processed. So just think about balance. Think about the overall moderation and also remember your emotional, mental, and physical well-being at the end of the day depend upon moderation. And if I were going to add one thing to my diet today that you would classify as part of clean eating, what's the one thing that when I get to the grocery store I should really look to put in the cart? One thing today. Spinach. Really? Yes. I always say spinach is one of those powerhouse foods. It is, you know, right up there, kale and spinach. And oftentimes I think kale's a little bit of a pungent taste. So yeah. I always say spinach is one of my favorite foods because it is so packed with all kinds of really rich vitamins. And, you know, you can saute it with a little bit of garlic and, you know, give it some flavor, add it into smoothies, add it into dishes that you're baking, like pasta dishes for kids. It's one of those things you can sneak in here and there, but at the end of the day, is a really healthy food that has a lot of bang for its buck. Yeah, and it's good in omelets. And by the way, it's like cheap. It's not free 99, but look at how big of a container or bag you can get, right? It's really not expensive. It's not, yeah. Well, Susan, it's so good to talk to you again. And thanks for all the wisdom. It's always nice to connect with you and to have you steer us in the right path. I guarantee, I, and I like spinach, I guarantee I'll get more because that's a really great tip. That sounds good. It was so great to talk to you today, Chuck. Thanks again for having me. Oh, sure thing. That's Susan Okankowski. She's a registered dietitian with Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan. And so many good takeaways from this. I hope you learned a little something and you're encouraged. You can eat clean and yet you don't have to go over the edge about the whole idea, right? Thanks for listening to a Healthier Michigan podcast. It's brought to you by Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan. If you like the show, you want to know more. You can jump online. You can check us out at ahealthiermichigan.org slash podcast. 
You can find all of our great episodes there. You can leave us reviews or ratings on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. You can get new episodes, take them for your walks. That's good for us too, right? On your smartphone or your tablet, be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. It's always there for you. And we're up to uh, episode 63 now. We've got lots of great episodes on all kinds of things from breathing, meditation, nutrition, good foods. And this was one of those episodes today. Stay well. I'm Chuck Gatica. Bye for now.